In the apocalyptic virus-ridden summer of 2020, two grown men, with an interest in food and almost no regard for audio quality, decided to start a podcast, and in doing so proved that a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Was it before or after my corned beef ham taco? Happy Easter, Hodge. Thank you, Sam. Happy Easter to you too. Is is Happy Easter something that people say to each other? I don't think anyone's ever wished me a Happy Easter. We're running a, a a bit of a gauntlet here, maybe trying to avoid talking about the the real meaning of Easter and and more kind of focusing on the the surrounding guff that goes with it. Guff, you know. <laughs> I I always liked Easter as a child because I got to eat lots of chocolate. And now looking back, I, I just feel like that's perhaps the wrong, the wrong message. Right. Children and children and chocolate. <laughs> children aren't allowed chocolate anymore. Well, more just that you should have your chocolate spaced out throughout the year and not have copious amounts of it and you know one yeah. weekend. Although I don't remember Easter eggs ever having that much chocolate in them. That's a good point. They are kind of a a thin shell of usually quite cheap chocolate. Yeah. But suppose it depends how many Easter eggs you get. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm I'll just I'll be honest, I'll be straight up like so for the uh, for the listeners believe it or not we do actually do some preparation for these shows and we generally um take it in turns in deciding what what we're going to discuss. So this week was uh, was Sam's pick, an Easter special, really, which kind of put my nose out of joint a little bit because I'm not a massive fan of of Easter, like Sam alluded to. Um, not the religious side of it, of which um, I don't partake, um, but I am respectful. But more just the um, the crap that comes with it, which I suppose you could say that goes the same for Christmas. But I kind of I really like Christmas. I think there's um, there's loads of good stuff that goes on Christmas. So you get the days off. A vast range of foods, many of them savoury, whereas Easter you get a few days off and it seems to be all chocolate based. And I've never really understood it and it always seemed a bit tacky to me. So when he said, let's do an Easter special, I was like, okay, it might be a bit rubbish, but let's do it anyway. So that's where, <laughs> that's where I am. How are you? How are you, Sam? What's the Easter version of Bar Humbug? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, does, what does Bar Humbug even mean? What do you mean, what does bar humbug mean? Bar humbug is what Scrooge says at Christmas. I'm accusing you of being the Easter Scrooge. I'm the Easter Scrooge. I'll take that. Illumination. I mean, I'm with you on the food side of things. Easter really doesn't offer much in the way of food, does it? Range of food. It's all chocolate. And one thing, I mean, I don't know if you're going to get onto this, talking about the kind of the other Christmas has Santa Claus, but for some reason Easter has the Easter bunny. I mean, I know the background to this. I understand why there's eggs and there's rabbits and, you know, things like that in, 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 for an Easter festival. It's because, you know, it stems from various other festivals in the past celebrating spring. 
right? It just coincides with that same timing. That's why we have things like the Easter Easter bunny. But it, it strikes me that there's a, maybe a missed opportunity with Easter food and that instead of us just eating chocolate eggs, we should be eating rabbit. Real rabbits. Seeing as he's rabbit is the, you know, the animal of the season. Well, I, I didn't know the Easter myth or story or background to it. So I, I actually had to go and research. So I, I've spent a significant part of this week researching the story. I don't know if you used the, this website when you were at university, the, the BBC Newsround. It's <laughs> yep. quite a... Um, <laughs> I know. You've heard of it. They've got quite a comprehensive Easter backstory. Obviously not the religious, not religious right. backstory, the, the why do we have eggs and rabbits. And when you delve into it, I mean, this... This story is is mad. It's completely bonkers. It's all jumbled up and mixed up. So no wonder Easter um, is is a bit crazy. So apparently, like around the Easter time, people weren't allowed to eat eggs. So there was always a glut oh. of eggs, which I presume is like lent oh. and stuff, isn't it? You make pancakes, use up use up the eggs for your pancakes. Yeah, and then all the the hens don't just stop. You know, they don't get the memo and say, right, I'll better stop laying. So the, the hens keep on laying. So you're not allowed to eat the eggs, but you've got all these eggs. So people started decorating them and giving them as gifts. Seems seems reasonable, doesn't it? Gotcha, yeah. This kind of, this practice morphed into giving people decorated eggs, which were made of kind of cardboard or like paper or what have you. And then as chocolate making technology got better, this then turned into giving eggs, chocolate eggs, to people at Easter. And I think they probably just got right. they just got rid of all the decoration then and just put like Kit Kat on it or Whisper or <laughs> or whatever else. And then the rabbits thing is like you said, so spring is supposed to be about the the new new life and after winter then spring comes along and there's new life everywhere. And rabbits apparently have very large litters of their offspring, which was seen as a, um, right. a, a a sign of the new new life as well. Do you know what baby rabbits are called? Uh, kittens. Kittens. Yeah, <laughs> they have litters of kittens. Pups. Um, uh, leverets. No, no kittens. Kittens. Oh, they are called kittens. Yeah, they are oh, okay. Kittens, yeah, they have litters of kittens. I thought, believe it or not. I thought they were, and then I thought I thought I'd just been like gone wrong. So yeah, uh, rabbits have um, litters of kittens, which is which is crazy, and this is a, a sign of new life uh, because they have so many of them. And eggs are a sign of new life as well, and they're given at Easter. Yeah. So the story then morphs into the Easter bunny goes around laying decorative eggs, yeah. which is just wrong. It just it's too big a leap. In terms of the story, it's just a massive leap, and it should be—I don't know—a duck-billed platypus or something, shouldn't it? Well, it's a, the the rabbit's already giving birth to baby cats, so you know, why not lay eggs? Yeah, well, and anyway, I've actually eaten rabbit eggs, um, and I don't think they're great. They're small, they're tough, kind of <laughs> grassy in flavour, um, and there's, there's nothing special about them. You just find them lying around all over the place. Um, so I don't really, I don't really see what's so special about them at all. Why would you, why would you collect them up 
melt them down, form them into a liquid chocolate that you then produce a, a you know a large egg shaped shell and go through all that kind of procedure. Illumination. I was thinking we've we've already done an eggs show as well, and there's no crossover here, is there? I'm I'm just trying to work it in somehow, but I don't think you could ever scotch a Cadbury's cream egg. Uh, yes, you can. Oh, I found yeah, I found a website where someone has scotched it. Oh dear lord! A butcher by the name of Graham Eyes created a spin on a Scottish classic using Cadbury's eggs wrapped in sausage meat, coated in breadcrumbs, sprinkled with fried, I presume, and then sprinkled with chilli and lime. Ah, uh, wow. And then there's also Cadbury's Eggs Benedict. Which look- oh, you're just getting... Silly. I, I, I saw this kind of little sausage roll type thing with a Cadbury's cream egg instead. Yeah, an egg roll? I don't even know what a, an egg roll with an egg as opposed to a cream egg is. An egg roll is what the Americans call spring rolls. Oh, right. With with egg in it, I presume? Uh, I don't know why they're called egg rolls. Hmm. Yeah, but that looks like a, like a Cadbury's cream egg wrapped in some sort of pastry or bread or something to make it look a bit like a sausage roll. Illumination. Well, have you eaten today? Yes, I have eaten today. Okay, so this this experience later on, whenever we dive in will be like your dessert yeah when are we going to do this <laughs> i'm just going to tell you about my dinner first of all because i know i know you love to hear about the things i've been eating um well tonight another another croydon takeaway it was a indian restaurant which when next time you're down in croydon we're going to have this food because one of the best indian takeaways i've ever had and the kind of Indian takeaway where you could just have the starters, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and be happy because the starters are so good. Oh, good. So, yeah, Tindley in Croydon. I think it's only fair that... Nice. What did you have then? Uh, so we had... I know it sounds weird. Well, maybe not weird at all, but uh, so chickpea samosas with like a samosa... Uh, with a with a chickpea sauce underneath, mm-hmm. we had some fried cauliflower, spicy. We had some chicken tikka, which was really good. And then the the chicken came with this like potato salad almost, with f- fried crisp bread pieces in it, and it was just delicious. It was amazing. Nice, looks good. Do you realise we've got a fairly significant list of foods that we are going to eat and drinks we're going to drink and things we're going to do once the lockdown is over? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've already put on a significant amount of weight over the lockdown for this year, so <laughs> that'll just that'll just perpetuate it into 2022, won't it? Oh, it's difficult though, isn't it? I think there's like two two different takeaways. There's a number of uh, cuts of meat that we want to smoke. A whole line of things to be done with goat. Something around a suckling pig. German beer soup that needs to be yeah. needs to be made. Some cocktails, and then there's some African restaurant stroke takeaways in Manchester that we said we would do and review at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can we fit that into a weekend? <laughs> 
I think I think I'm gonna have to move to Manchester for six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a weekend or die trying, as they say. I'm just teasing open the foil of this. Maybe you should do the, the full description. Yeah. Yeah, should we do it? Let's eat okay. it. Let's do it. So for everybody at home. Have we even said what this is yet? No, I don't think we've I was said just what about it is. To. So for everybody at home, when we were talking about doing something at Easter, um, Sam said, oh, we should um, do a taste you know, taste test um, something and suggested a cream egg, a Cadbury's cream egg. And then I had to tell him that I'd, I'd never eaten a Cadbury's cream egg. And his eyes lit up for some reason or other. and <laughs> said, oh, then we definitely have to do a Cadbury's cream egg. So I've seen Cadbury's cream eggs um, before. It's uh, smaller than a normal than a hen's egg, I would say. Um, it's because it's a rabbit's egg. Quite a big rabbit's egg, smaller than a hen's egg, in a tin foil wrapper, which is purple and yellow and red. And they've spelt cream wrong. It's missing an A. <laughs> <laughs> a creme egg. Creme egg. Creme egg. Yeah. And it's got it's got writing on it, but it's ever so tiny and ever so shiny, so it's impossible to read. <laughs> yeah, so I'm opening the tinfoil now, and inside, hmm, it's like a spiral. What's that? I'm thinking. You know, on a on a map, when you can tell how steep a hill is by the lines that go around it. The contours. Yeah, it's got kind of contours, but it's a very even spread with a s- star. Thing, yeah. star thing in the middle. Yeah, not sure. Not sure what that's about. Right. So how how do you eat these? Do you break them in half? Or do you No, do not break it in half. You you bite it. In half? Yeah, I'd go narrow end first, probably. I would just smell it first. What's it smell it of? It smells of sweet cabbage chocolate. <laughs> cabbage chocolate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just uh, before we do, I'm drinking a, a, a New England IPA. Is that a good pair? Oh yeah, that's not. Is that a good pairing for no. a Cadbury's cream egg? No. No, no, no. That's probably probably quite a bad one. I'm drinking a, a Anspach and Hobday Lager, which I also think is a bad idea. If you were going to go with anything, I would go with a beer which is a little bit sweeter. So maybe a like a Hefeweizen or a Doppelbock, right? Something German. Which we don't have. Okay. This thing's melting in my fingers now, so I'm going to bite into it. And you just say, just bite it in half. I would just bite it in half, yeah. Okay. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Man, that's just stuck to the top of my Ugh. For those people who can't see Hodge, which is all of you at home, uh, he's pulling the most horrendous face because <laughs> I I know that uh, Hodge doesn't doesn't really like sweet things. Oh man, that was too sweet. <laughs> I'm glad I only told you to eat half of it. <laughs> Not only is it too sweet, it's really cloying, and the sugar catches the back of your throat as oh. well. So you bite into it, and your initial. <laughs> Initially, get it's just a whack, a big hit of chocolate, cabbage chocolate, and then you suddenly realise you can't really breathe 
because this stuff is stuck to the top of your mouth and you have to force it away with your tongue. And I tried chewing it, but that didn't really help. It's really cloying and sticky and thick. Whatever that... Is that a fondant? I don't know what it is. Sugar-based? Sugar-based, like a liquid sugar fondant that is now stuck all around my teeth and in between my teeth and my lips and my gums. Have you have you looked at it? Oh right, it looks like an egg. Yeah, <laughs> that's the egg bit of it, I presume. I suppose everything else about it's supposed to be like an egg. So I, I shouldn't laugh so much. I don't know why I'm so tickled, but oh man, that is so sweet. Let's look up the sugar content of that. I won't ask you to eat the other half. No, I'm not eating the other half. That cost me fifty pence. Yeah. Now, can you imagine that wrapped in sausage meat and deep fried? No. I don't wish to. I don't wish to think of eating that. I mean, I suppose you could pick. You could eat the outside and throw away the egg. That's disgusting. But they, they don't only. They don't only bring these out at Christmas, do they? No, they bring them out at Easter as well. <laughs> I walked into that one. Uh, I don't know. I've never. I don't know if you can buy them year round. Because they are. Ev- they are everywhere now, aren't they? They. They are. Yeah. I. I saw them. Basically, you can you can buy all sorts of other Cadbury's cream egg products like muffins and I think there's a, a beer which has come out as well. Beer? Yeah, I think it's a Cadbury's cream egg beer. The thing I don't quite understand is is that, you know, the, 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 the connection to Easter is, is rather loose apart from this idea of chocolate eggs anyway. If people like them so much, why don't they bring them out year round? Um, but they're not very nice. Kids, like you said, kids and chocolate. I never like these things, and it's the the sugary paste on the inside. Yeah, but your but your other half does. Absolutely loves them. No, I just don't get it. But I do know though that Cadbury's cream eggs are made by Hershey's in America. But they're called Cadbury's cream eggs. But you're not allowed to import Cadbury's cream eggs into America from the UK because Hershey's own the right to make and sell Cadbury's cream eggs in America. Okay. Or something like that. So some sort of licensing thing. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of beers that are made like that, though, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Factories over here banging out foreign brands of beer. Budweiser. Yeah. Under licence. Interesting, isn't it? Because I was reading about Cadbury's cream eggs. There seems to be a recurring theme where American eating Cadbury's cream eggs that are from the UK. So they've come over here and eaten a Cadbury's cream egg, complain that the chocolate's horrible. And likewise, Brits going to America, eating Cadbury's cream eggs, complain that the chocolate's horrible. But I wasn't sure, and having eaten one now, I'm no more illuminated, is whether the recipes are different in each country, and therefore... People are getting, you know, think it's horrible, or it's the same recipe, and everyone just thinks it's horrible, but for some bloody strange reason, just keep on eating them. I'm not really sure. Do you know the answer to that? I do know the answer. I have the answer. So the answer to why American cream eggs are worse than British cream eggs is is twofold. One I've already mentioned, and that is that the chocolate on Cadbury's cream eggs in America is Hershey's. 
right. And Hershey's chocolate is either made from rabbit eggs, which would make sense when I tell you why I think it's disgusting. Hershey's notoriously tastes to everyone outside of America like vomit. Right. Because it's got butyric acid in it. I don't know why it's got butyric acid in it. Something to do with the way they process it. It's the same acid that's in our stomachs. Or one of them. Right. Uh, So, first of all, the chocolate tastes of vomit. Secondly, so we do not have high fructose corn syrup in the innards of our cabbage cream eggs. Whereas in America, but I think it's actively promoted for children, uh, and so the innards of their Cadbury's cream eggs has high fructose corn syrup, which makes the innards a lot runnier. Uh, okay. So our innards are gackier. No more or less sweet? No, I think roughly the same sweetness level. Uh, okay. So the Americans use have taken the Cadbury's cream egg format of chocolate with a gooey middle... Yeah, and then used all their own American style products, industrial practices yeah. on it, and that's why it's British people find it so revolting. Yeah, because we prefer our Cadbury's cream eggs unadulterated with modern processing techniques. <laughs> yeah, it worked fantastic. So basically, on the on the on the Cadbury's cream egg front, it doesn't. Re- the, the learning is really no matter where you are in the world, just don't eat one. Yeah. A, by, a byproduct of the Cadbury's cream egg Easter fad. I don't know if you've ever seen this at your workplace. Not just cream eggs, though, but Easter eggs of all descriptions. Is the um, branded mug. Yeah. <laughs> in every workplace coffee cupboard, there's always a crunchy mug or a Maltese's mug or a cream egg mug. And you think, where, where do those come from? And then you realise when you're doing a radio show, a podcast and you start looking around the supermarket for Easter eggs that a significant number of Easter eggs are sold in a mug like a a large egg cup yeah uh, for many years I used a giant Kit Kat mug at work for my coffee did that come with a Kit Kat Easter egg? It came with a chunky Kit Kat Easter egg. And did you enjoy the crunchy Kit Kat Easter egg? <laughs> I uh, I don't remember. I remember wishing that the mug would break one day so I could replace it. I remember this really vividly, actually. I would, I'd fling the mug up in the air when it was empty, obviously, on my way to the coffee machine and catch it by the handle. I just flicking it up in the air and catching it. And that went on for a couple of years until one day I just missed it and it dropped to the floor and um, everyone rejoiced. So did someone buy you this at work, the Easter egg, and you didn't? You felt that you had to use the mug and you couldn't get rid of the mug, otherwise they'd be really upset? No, in answer to your question, no. It was a, I think it was just at some point someone bought me an Easter egg at home and it had a mug in it. This was much. This was more like... I'm a bit, I'm, I have a sensitivity towards mugs. Once I start using a mug, I don't like to stop using it. It sounds odd, but um, I, uh, broken mugs make me upset. It's, I'm contradicting myself as well. I, I'm making no sense. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see the end of the Cadbury's Kit Kat mug, but I didn't want to see it's like 
demise. Oh, sorry, Nestle. Uh, Kit Kat. I don't want to see its demise in an artificial way by me just throwing it away. It had to kind of break naturally by me throwing it up in the air and catching it a lot. What the hell are you talking about? I think all that sugar in the cream egg's gone to your head. You're talking utter... So, let's just break this down, okay? Someone gave you an Easter egg that had a mug attached to it. You took this mug into work and it became your work coffee cup. Yeah, because you always take your lesser valued mugs into work, right? Right. And then after a while, you decided you didn't want this mug anymore. Yep. And you wanted to see its early demise. Yeah. But you, something in you, something deep down in your moral, ethical compass says that you can't just throw a mug away if you don't want it or give it to a charity shop or give it to someone else or repurpose it as something you put your change in or anything else. It has to be destroyed but destroyed in in the right way. And then you took to throwing the mug up in the air and catching it in the hope that it would break, but then catching it so it wouldn't break for two years before you accidentally didn't catch it and then it broke. And then you could change the mug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you've nailed it. Yeah. And you think my arrangement of baked beans on toast is off? <laughs> That's the that's the weirdest thing I've ever some sort of like ethical moral dilemma over how you break or do not break your own mug. It's how I've ended up with so many mugs in the house. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And you just go around juggling mugs all day trying to get rid of them, but not getting rid of them. No. no this is a, like, uh, a weird affliction. I like the current flock of mugs. A flock of mugs. <laughs> yeah. So what? So what mug are you using at work at the moment? I know you probably, you work from home mostly, don't you? Yeah, I just I now I've got the whole range. I can just happily dance between all of them. And there's not a single mug that you've like already identified for early moral kind of uh, uh, demise. No, no, I quite like them all. Yeah. I have I've got a colour change mug with all the Pac Man characters on it. Do you think that'll probably but, get its comeuppance at some point? No, I think they're all they're all they're all welcome. Right. I replaced the Kit Kat mug with um a uh, a nice mug, a China mug with um cartoons by Quentin Blake on it. Cool. But cartoons of Charles Darwin. Okay. It's a very nice mug. And then when I left work for good I forgot to bring it with me. So I thought I'd put it somewhere safe. And then when I went back in to visit, to go and like pick up some stuff, it wasn't there anymore. And I was actually really upset. Really upset. Were you was this a gen was this a genuine error and genuine upset? Or do you think deep down your subconscious was saying, Leave the mug there, someone will kidnap it and kill it, and then you won't have to, and that will be an appropriate way for a mug to meet its demise. I I think it was the opposite. I think actually I wanted something to to tie me to a place where I loved working, so I had a reason to go back. You must be the only person on the planet who's got Stockholm syndrome when it comes to drinking vessels. But there's there's good news. So I went back a subsequent time, and there was a 
um, a cleaner who kind of clean up around the kitchen area and and also do gen- general cleaning throughout the office area. And I happened to be going in early when she was there. And she came over to me and she went, oh, I was looking after this for you and passed me the mug. This was like months later. Passed me my, my Charles Darwin mug. And so that made my day. Where is it I was now? thrilled. It's at home. It's here with me now. That mug. Wow. Survival of the fittest. You know, Scrabble pieces. Yeah. So you could buy mugs that um, had letters on them. And then the yeah. corresponding score score for that tile on the mug. It was essentially a Scrabble tile mug. I bought two. One with a T on it and one with a C on it. I think I see where you're going. Yeah. So when people were making large rounds of tea and coffee, um, you gave them the mug that expressed your preference so that they wouldn't forget. Because it's really annoying when you say to someone, I'll have a cup of coffee, and then they just bring you a cup of tea. And you say, oh, don't, don't worry, I'll drink it anyway, which is bullshit. Because I generally have a coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon kind of uh, methodology. But I was employing the tea, and tea mugs. But what I found was, either deliberately or... Um, accidentally, people just ignored the C and the T, even though it was there to, to guide them on what I actually wanted, um, and still made the same mistake. And I got really irritated with that. So I downsized to a single mug after that point. I think maybe they were doing it deliberately. It's it's one of those weird things, though, isn't it? When you're expecting to drink tea or coffee, and you're not, you don't look properly before you bring it up to your mouth, and you get the wrong drink, mm. it's a little bit of a shock to the system. What what pissed me off though was like when you're in the pub, you you put your order in, and in that you know someone doesn't just come back with a pint of like uh, a glass of red wine when you order the pint of bitter, do they? And go, oh, I just made a mistake. I brought I've accidentally brought you a glass of Bailey's when you asked for you know an IPA. Like, it's not that difficult yeah. to remember whether someone said tea or coffee. So I expressed my preference twice. I'll have a cup of tea and I'll even give you a mug that tells you what I want on it. And you still manage to screw it up. Two, two, one question first. Do you actually point at the tea on the mug and say, I'm giving you this because I want a cup of tea? Or do you just presume they're going to like guess because you're giving them the mug with the tea on? Yeah, well... The, the, tea, the tea may stand for like something else, like Terence Trent Darby. Yeah, it might stand for Terence Trent Derby, but it didn't. Um, and obviously I explained, I didn't sit the whole team down and give a presentation on it about what the mug signified, but each person uh, was like, briefed on the mugs as and when. So they would say, um, would, you like a, would you like a drink? Yes, I'll have a cup of coffee. Wait a minute, I'll just get my mug with the C on, because that means coffee. I mean, I shouldn't have to repeat that every time, should I? You've got to tell people things ten times on average before they absorb the information. You are. That's fact. You have to do what, sorry? You have to tell someone something ten times. Before what? You have to tell before they absorb the information. How many times? I'm not going to carry on that joke. I see what you're doing, Hodge. (laughs) I see what you're doing. And the other thing is, right, when you do a round of drinks... In the pub. In the pub. If you were to order a red wine or a Bailey's, 
that would be very easy to remember. Mm. And generally, no, I'm going to argue against myself here. Well, that's no, what I was going to say. Right. People don't just categorise the drinks in the pub. They actually give you brands. They give you brands or everyone drinks the same drink apart from the people who drink the other drink and then there's only two choices. Yeah. But then you, instead of going... Yeah, you see, I'm still confused. I don't know how to argue this one. I think you're wrong. <laughs> wow. You just you just went for the belligerent, I don't agree. I'm sorry, I raised it. So it sounds like you're a person who feels that adherence to tea or coffee preference is important, but not so important that you're prepared to put any energy or effort into it. And therefore, you will give everyone else a get-out-of-jail-free card when they don't put any effort in either, even if they've given a mug, which clearly signifies the preference of beverage that the person wants. Because, hey, it is difficult to look at a mug and go, tea means tea and C means coffee. I'm going to buy you a set of these mugs for Christmas. One will be C, one will be T, one will be N, and the other one will be... Um, What's the point score for that word? <laughs> oh, God, that's a test, isn't it? So, U will be a 1, N will be a 1, and T will be a 1. U's a 2, isn't it? Is it? No, and you're right. Is a one. What am I? Who am I kidding? It's a vowel. Of course, it's a one. Uh, so yeah, you've got uh, three plus uh, four, so seven. Or is C a three? You said C's a three. C three, yeah. So it's okay. Six. Six pointer. That'll be slang from now on, won't it? You're a complete <laughs> six pointer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I very rarely use the word tunk anyway. Illumination. We've received an email. Really? Yeah. Would you like me to read it out? Oh, yes, please. Yeah. This person's written quite a lot, and um, I didn't have time to just pull out the main bits, so I'm just going to read the whole thing. I'll read it slowly, okay. yeah, and hopefully clearly. So, yeah, I wasn't in a great, I wasn't in a great mood um, about this whole show about Easter eggs and what have you, and then when I got the email I was less in a good mood and see if you can find out what about this annoyed me (laughs) dear Sam (laughs) I was listening to your um, food you eat alone podcast and the listeners email section piqued my interest as an initial aside my opinion regarding the cheese and biscuits with added butter discussion is that everything should not be so binary Certain quite dry cheeses benefit from the adhesive qualities of the butter, stopping separation from said biscuit and cheese during transit from the plates to the happy hole. I feel like this angle is worth considering. That said, I also believe in the addition of butter with pate, taking the fat content from circa 50% to circa 75%, so I'm probably a bit cavalier. Sam's comments around peanut butter and the addition of butter as a primer reminded me of a watershed moment from my university days. A girlfriend introduced me to the idea of blending a knob of butter and marmite in the centre of the toast to generate an emulsion prior to spreading. This generates delicious loveliness far greater than if done in a layered format. Agreed. As an entrepreneurial individual... Of course, I then try to uh, do this on scale. 
to miss out on the on-toast blending activity and to generate a pre-blended tub of the now-named Marmarine, ready to go and saving millions of breakfast eaters time in the morning. Alas, this was a disaster. The combination was unstable without the gentle warming of the toast and quite frankly, it looked and tasted disgusting. My then girlfriend saw I was a failure and left me. After, <laughs> after further battling trying to make salty vinegar a reality to help all fish and chip shop workers getting repetitive strain injuries from having to shake twice as much as, as was really necessary, I lost all hope and gave up. As I know Sam is a culinary genius, I wonder if he had any thoughts on why I failed with these two endeavours. So basically, a pre-mixed butter marmite, marmite combination called marmarine, which I quite like. Um, although you could have called it mutter. And um, <laughs> a mixture of salt and vinegar to save fish and chip shop workers having to do double shaking and getting RSIs. What are your thoughts, Sam? And whilst you tell the listeners on your show your thoughts on the, on the listeners' emails to you, I'll sit here and carry on doing your uh, your accounts for 2020, 2021. Well, thanks. Uh, who who wrote this? What was the Mark. name of the person who wrote this? Just Mark. Mark. Well, Mark, uh, thank you for your email. It's very kind. My thoughts on marmarine and salty vinegar, uh, I think you gave up too soon. I think you should have persevered with those ideas because... It's genius, isn't it? But I would say two two things there, right? The peanut butter guys have, have worked out how to combine marmite and peanut butter. So you obviously gave up too early. And salty vinegar must exist already because otherwise how would you get salty vinegar crisps? There's no liquid in there. They're flavoured with salty vinegar. So basically, I think... You were you were just aiming too low, and you should have persevered with these kind of ideas. Uh, that's my take on it. Hodge, what do um, you think? I I am interested okay. to know what you think. I'm just finishing off your VAT. Um, yeah, I'm, I quite like the idea of salty vinegar, but you're right. It, um, it's already been done, hasn't it? So I presume if you um, evaporate vinegar, you're left with Vinegar powder? Yeah, it's exactly what you're left with, is vinegary powder. Yeah. You can obviously mix salty powder with a vinegary powder and rehydrate when needed. Or just sprinkle. Or sprinkle, yeah. Salty vinegar. Salty vinegar. So he was nearly there. His thinking was was right, but was years, 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 years behind. Where... <laughs> well, it's, it's a bit like... It's a bit like me thinking that we could invent a primer, a butter, a peanut flavoured primer for peanut butter, which is just smooth peanut butter. Do you know what I mean, sometimes you have a, a moment of inspiration and sadly it just gets popped, destroyed and ruined by reality. But but you've got to talk through those ideas. Oh yeah, of course you have. And, you know, by by speaking it out loud like you did with the peanut butter flavoured peanut butter primer, you worked out as you were saying it that it was really stupid. Yeah. At least I didn't say it out loud in front of lots of people. Because then I really would have yeah. looked stupid. 
And on Marmarine, or Mutter, I, I totally get the sentiment, actually. Saves, saves on the, um, the legwork in the morning. I suppose a, a halfway house may have been to have, like, a Neapolitan ice cream type situation. So you have, like, one <laughs> strip of butter, one of Marmite, and then one of peanut butter. Oh. All in, all in a tub together, and you can take a, take a bit. Sorry, I'm just ticking that over in my head and thinking, <laughs> how quickly can we get that to market? <laughs> it's all about it's all about management of the the borders, isn't it, between the two? So, would you go peanut butter on the outside, butter in the middle, marmite on the outside, or you know what variation? What would go in the middle? That's too difficult, isn't it? Because you, you'd the proportions would need to be very carefully managed as well. Yeah, otherwise you just end up with. The butter would run out fast, wouldn't it? Well, in my case, the peanut butter. But yeah, something would go first. Hmm. And then you'd get structural collapse. Also, would you use butter or would you use like spreadable butter? I would use spreadable butter because then you don't have to tinker with um, temperatures. Mind you, in the fridge, the peanut butter is going to set like cement. Hmm. There's, there's a reason they put them in separate jars and to containers, isn't it? I'm beginning to think so. Those clever, clever bastards. But going back to his point, probably the main point is from a chemi- chemistry perspective. Yeah. Is is there a reason that the butter and the marmite would not emulsify, if that's the right word, properly? Again, I think it's probably temperature based. I think if you mix them when they're cold, you'd probably stand a much better chance of maintaining that suspension than probably what he did, which was to maybe heat them up in the microwave uh, or, or just do it at room temperature, mix them with a fork. Mm. But well done for trying, and I'm sorry it cost you your relationship. I'd like to know more about that. So this girl finished the relationship due to an experimental Marmite butter emulsion. I think maybe there were other things wrong in the relationship. Maybe he ploughed their, you know, their savings or his own savings into the Marmite butter, the marmarine uh, <laughs> enterprise. And it means they, they, they meant they couldn't go on holiday that year or something like that. It was like uh, Dragon's Den, but with your other half. And <laughs> it's like, I'm not looking for investment. I'm looking for a pat on the back. Oh yeah, what for? I ploughed fifteen thousand pounds into developing a marmite butter crossover condiment, but won't the butter just melt and the marmite, you know, hang around afterwards? It won't just become a big sticky congealed mess and smell. Yeah, that's that's exactly what. Well, I'm out. But you're out <laughs> of the financing. No, I'm out of the relationship. Ah, oh. Theo. Can't remember all those lovely days we spent together, Theo. Come back to me. <laughs> is, she, is he still on it? I don't suppose he is, is he? Theo's um, facetious. Theo's facetious. I, uh, I'm i not sure who's on it anymore. I presume Deborah Meaden still is. Oh, I like um, Deborah Meaden. Oh, yeah, she's solid. Yeah, she's from Devon. Or she lives in Devon. I don't have a blanket, just if you're from Devon, you don't get a blanket pass, by the way. I don't just like everybody from Devon. 
uh, what I was going to say is if you wanted, yeah, if you can have any dragon on your side, it'd be Deborah Meaden because I think she's she's not mental. Mm. Uh, she's not. Peter Jones is a little bit too, isn't he? A little bit too tall. Oh, he pissed me off. He he seems like eminently sensible and rich is what you need, but he's a bit patronising. Bit patronising. And he just annoy you because he's always going on about his kids, and he'd be going, um, "Well, you've developed a Marmite butter crossover condiment spread, but if I know if I put this in front of my children, they're just going to flick it up the walls, and then that will ruin the curtains." And they'd be like, "Oh, all right." So therefore, I'm Do you want your money back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can fuck off. I don't. I don't know enough about the characters to carry this on. But you, there is someone you do know about to carry this on about, just for a little bit. I think we can stretch this out to include Duncan Bannatyne. 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 Duncan Bannatyne. I'm Duncan Bannatyne. <laughs> I don't like Mamai and Margarine. <laughs> I prefer I... jam and peanut butter. So I'm. Ellie. Uh... I used to mix chocolate and vanilla ice creams in Glasgow, and I know I can't. I can't sustain a, a Scottish accent that long. He does health clubs now, doesn't he? He does. He does health clubs. There's one behind Durham Cricket Club. He was an ice cream man. Did you know that? I did. I started out in ice cream. I ended up in health clubs. I never tried to mix the two. I knew it wouldn't work. Marmite and butter is a bad idea. I'm out. <laughs> and because of that, I'm out. I'm out, man. It's an amazing story, though, isn't it? He, um, he bought an ice cream for a quid and he sold it for uh, pound fifty, and then he bought one and a half ice creams, and he sold that for one pound uh, two pounds, and then uh, he carried on this, and then he bought an ice cream van, and then to, and um, and then he ended up with a string of health clubs, and he was a dragon. Yeah, he should do voiceovers for all Disney Pixar um, dragons from now on. <laughs> Me or him? <laughs> but, if he's got a sore throat, or can't be bothered, you, but <laughs> mostly him. It is quite uncanny. Yeah.